0: But I asked the doctor, I said, could could I do something with my diet? Could I change how I eat? And he laughed in my face and told me there was nothing I could do with my diet to change that trajectory. Welcome to this functional life, a show for women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, purpose. We're going to deconstruct norms uncover your deepest desires, harness your physical and mental health and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what you want out of life. I'm your host Betty Murray, heart geek, heart magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking complex science and making it easy to understand and integrate into daily life. Join the journey to make this chapter the best ever. Let's get driving. Welcome, everybody, to This Functional Life. And today, I'm going to get a little bit personal. I've had quite a few people ask me about my story and how I ended up kind of here. And so, I think much like all the other individuals I've met or many of the other individuals I've met that have embraced functional medicine and really come to this arena, you know, the unfortunate truth is almost all of us have either had our own health crisis or a family member had a health crisis in which the conventional system was ill-equipped, if not uh, completely unable to really help with. And, you know, mine is a a couple different pieces. I was very interested in health and wellness uh, as a kid and as a a teenager. And actually, I would say the the first kind of interesting part of my story is I was raised Christian scientist. So I literally did not see a doctor after my first year of life and actually after the first several months of life until I was 18 years old. My dad Had quite a bit of health problems over the course of his life. And when I was six years old, we were out camping in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey. And we had one of those pull behind campers that had the tent part that sort of flipped out and you had beds on each side. So anybody that grew up in the 70s, I know you know what I'm talking about. So we had this camper and we were setting up the camper in the middle of nowhere on a Friday night to camp over the weekend. And my dad starts to have a heart attack. It's just my mom, my dad, my brother, and I. My brother's about, uh, I would say, about 11. And I'm six years old and my mom freaks out, shoves us in the back, drives like a bat out of hell to try and get to a hospital. At that time, of course, we didn't have cell phones. There was nobody to call. There was no 911. And so we rush into the hospital. We show up. They take my dad into the hospital. You know, I'm standing in the middle of this hospital looking around and I'm number one, completely fascinated by what's going on and now also challenged with what's really happening here? This is this is medicine. a thing I don't participate in, but I'm extremely curious. I was a very scientific kid. I love science. My dad was an engineer. So, you know, in our house, science was very much a part of it, but we had a very strong sort of religious belief, particularly coming from my mother, that prayer and the act of prayer will save you. That experience with my dad having his heart attack, and you know what? My dad lived 38 years after that. And he was, I used to joke, um, he, he died about seven years ago, but I used to joke that he was a modern medical marvel because he had so many health problems. So all the time growing up, my dad ended up having a quadruple bypass in 1980. One of the first patients having that in the Dallas Fort Worth area. We had moved to Dallas Fort Worth. And he ended up having four more heart attacks, another quadruple bypass, 11 stents. He had colon cancer diabetes and ended up dying from a complication of bladder cancer. Actually, it was an infection that he uh, received while he was treatment getting treated in the hospital. You know, So imagine growing up in that environment and you're being told that this is a, something you don't participate in, but you're completely fascinated with it. So I was always fascinated with nutrition because we were people that had, you know, we had a garden, we, we made our own food. So I had this experience of respecting and loving real natural food, but I also had this experience of fascination with medicine that I didn't participate in. But so I originally wanted to be a doctor when I was in my teens, but I was a kid of the 80s and I'm gonna be real honest, I was lazy. I didn't want to put in that level of time and school and effort. And so I went to school to be a business major and I worked my way through college and ended up coming out and getting swept into retail which I think a lot of people do I went into sales management and did that for a long time and in the early 90s I got wrapped up in the IT boom so this is you know early dial up so anybody that remembers the you know <laughs> early dial up world but I was good at technical things and I I have a capacity to learn those things so I was swept into that world Over the time that I was growing up in high school and particularly college, I would have these episodes of digestive problems and I had them as a kid, but they were downplayed to the extent that we just, you know, it was kind of like you got over those things. If it didn't last, you know, months on end, you were fine. And of course we weren't going to go to the doctor anyway. So the episodes would sort of come and go when I was little, but as I got older and I got into college, the episodes were getting longer, more severe and more painful. And of course, because I'd never participated in medicine, I didn't. Seek out a doctor. It just didn't, it. What didn't occur to me. It was. I thought. Well, it couldn't be that bad. And so, flash forward into my twenties. You know, it becomes more pronounced. Well, at this point, I'm also working in IT as the first woman hired for a company. I report straight to the CTO. And we're undermanned, and I'm the only female in an all male department in an all male industry in the early '90s. And so, I worked like 100 hours a week. And so, my episodes started coming more frequently. They started becoming more severe. And at the same time, I am completely and totally depleted. It feels like I am going to die. I am adrenally fatigued. I can hardly get out of bed. I can hardly see straight. But my job requires me to answer the phone 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. So I keep going because that's what we do as women, right? We just keep going. I ended up being diagnosed with colitis. At the time, you know, I was lucky. My colitis was not extraordinarily bad. I would say it was mild to med- you know, mild to moderate. But I asked the doctor, I said, could I do something with my diet? Could I change how I eat? And he laughed in my face and told me there was nothing I could do with my diet to change that trajectory. He didn't know he was talking to because number one, I grew up in a household where I didn't see doctors. So if you were wearing a white coat, I I wasn't going to take your word for gospel. For me, that left me, a number one, pissed. I was really angry that somebody would take something that was such an obvious response. If I have a digestive disorder that's autoimmune certainly food or changing my diet could at least improve it, is what I was thinking. On the same flip side, I was exhausted. And I had already started doing things like I started taking yoga classes and I became a yoga teacher because I thought, you know, I can control my stress this way. I could do these other things. So I ended up going back to school and taking nutrition classes and, you know, started a master's program and a certified nutritionist program because I was just looking for answers for me. You know, that's when it really clicked for me. I was like, Oh my God, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is why I'm here. I can understand really technical things, but I'm understanding at a level of biochemistry now, what really happens in the body. So while I'm still in corporate America, I go back, I'm back in school for like three years. Of course, you know, you find that humorous. You thought, well, I didn't want to go to school in the eighties. So now I'm going to do it as an adult. So I go back and I do that. And I start to see clients on the side while I'm still working in corporate America. And I ended up opening my practice. And then like a year and a half later, I opened our clinic, Living Well Dallas is one of the first multi-specialty functional medicine-based clinics in Dallas in 2005. But when I did that, and when I got done, I was exhausted. I thought I was exhausted before, but I was really exhausted. My hair was falling out. I was losing my eyebrows. I was gaining weight rapidly. And I was in my mid-30s. Leaning towards my later thirties now at this point. And I started seeking out help. I'm like, something is radically wrong with me. My periods were really, really abnormal. I, I, I don't have children, so I've never had children, so I couldn't really chalk it up to something like that. So I started seeking out people in the functional medicine world. I saw specialists in chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. I was put on growth hormone, thyroid medication. I was actually put on Cortef, which is a low dose, basically cortisol. And No matter what they did, I didn't feel any better. And in many cases, I got worse. You know, that really led to this decade long while I'm in the middle of functional medicine trying to figure out the hormonal piece. I was still hormonally wildly out of balance. I'd taken care of a lot of my digestive stuff. You know, I ended up, I was diagnosed with colitis for me, gluten and, you know, significant bacterial changes in my gut. And sort of all of the autoimmune things that sort of go along with that was driving my disorder. And I've been flare free. I've only had two flares in the last 18 years, which is huge. And each time I was pretty sure I knew exactly what happened. But for me, the hormonal piece was still present. Going through my 40s, it was still present. And it was very frustrating because, you know, I go see people and they put me on bioidentical progesterone or, you know, you need this, you need that. I was put on testosterone and I gained 10 pounds in two months. And I'm 5'3". I can't afford to gain weight. And at the time I was already overweight, despite eating very low carb, doing high intensity intervals and, you know, trying to protect my sleep and all these other things. To say that I understand where somebody has been, where you know, you're doing all the right things and you're getting the wrong results. I completely get it. I completely get it. And actually when I was in my forties, if somebody asked me if I worked with weight loss, I said, no. And it wasn't because I didn't know what to do because I, I mean, I've been taught all the right things, all the appropriate biochemistry, but I knew that if I couldn't fix what was going on with me at that time, there was no way I was going to try and stand in front of somebody else because I felt like a effing fraud, honestly. I was like, how can I possibly tell somebody else how to lose weight when I can't figure out what's going on with my body? You know, flash forward to a couple of years ago, I decided, you know what, I need to figure this out. Number one, at this point, I've now tested my DNA. I now know that I carry significant risk for some of the hormone metabolism pathways for how we excrete estrogen and how my body manages my estrogen and progesterone balance, which to some degree was explaining why I was experiencing so many problems in perimenopause that many of my other friends didn't experience. What was interesting is I didn't get hot flashes. That wasn't it. It was all these metabolic things. It was the insomnia. It was the mood changes, the lack of libido, the weight gain that was like relentless and hard to get off no matter what I did, even though I did what everybody would tell you to do. Cut your carbs, keep your protein high. You know, I even tried keto, high, high fat, low carb. I gained weight on keto. I genetically don't process fats. Well, that explained a lot. So when I went back for my PhD, that was really the driving force. And, I've, and I found the four real secrets to what's going on. And a lot of it really resides in your genetics and how your body metabolizes hormones. I did have a thyroid problem. I'm on thyroid medication. I can't get off thyroid medication. I've tried, made my hair fall out. So if anybody's lost your hair, I know exactly what that feels like. But even having thyroid, regardless of that dose, having a high dose of thyroid didn't help me lose weight. It wasn't until I really uncovered that intersection between those hormones The genetics, how my body excretes those hormones, and then how to manipulate the cellular metabolism. So, the way your body actually burns fuel inside the cell that is completely altered when we start to go through perimenopause and menopause, that I was able to sort of fix that. So, it wasn't until I was 48, 49 years old, putting myself through what I was reading in the research, that I was able to start losing weight. And I actually lost like 35 pounds that I was completely unable to lose in my 40s. You know, first off, by that point, my life was not very fun in my late 40s because I had so many emotional trials and tribulations about how I felt about my body. Just like anybody else, you know, I'd stand in the mirror and pick myself apart. You know, I'd wear things that sort of covered up everything so nobody would notice, hoping no one would notice my, the things that I didn't like, the size of my ass or whether my boobs were, you know, hanging or not, right? I knew what that felt like and I, and I lived that and I was able to live that. So having come out of that experience and having, been able to sort of rearrange my metabolism and get it to work right, I now feel better today than I did in my 30s. And I'm 52 going on 53. You know, I completely understand when a woman walks into my office or I meet a woman on Zoom or one of the women in my hormone reset group when they're like, I'm so tired of doing all the stuff that everybody tells me to do and it doesn't work. I believe you because I've been there. I did that. And I totally understand that. And I'm here to tell you. It can change. Because the truth is we're not all the same. Just because we're women, we don't experience the same things because our genetics are different. You know, we we have different ways in which our body metabolizes hormones, make hormones, get rid of things, even how we metabolize foods and, and things like glucose and fat. And now that I was able to figure that out, you know, my life is in a completely different spot. I mean, it was even affecting my relationship. You know, when you don't feel good about yourself. You're not feeling sexy. I'll tell you that right now. And I think I can probably, there's probably a lot of women, you know, shaking their heads saying, yeah, you don't feel sexy. You don't want anybody to notice. You don't want anybody to touch you. You just want to hide. And so, you know, now I look at my life and I, and, and number one, I'm excited because I'm in an area of research. Not only am I a clinician and I own a clinic and I have programs and things like that, but I'm a geek. And so I'm doing all of this research, looking at hormone metabolism to try and, get a handle on what's really happening so I can help more women get through this period of life. You know, because the other thing that really drives me is really, I think this next season of life, you know, the late forties, as we move into our fifties, for many of us, you know, our kids, if we have kids are grown or close to grown, you know, we might be in a situation we've, we've done something for our career and we may be looking for that next thing. Or, you know, we, we often walk into this time period and we say, you know what, what is this next season really going to look like? What do I want out of this life? I know for me, that was really important. You know, I remember women telling me in my like early 40s, they're like, oh, when you get to 50, you won't, you won't care what other people think, or you'll just be like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do in my life. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. The truth is, is that is a shift for many of us. And for me, I've really embraced it. And I look at those of us that are in this time period of life, 50 plus, this is our time. This is our second season. And instead of embracing the bullshit out there of you're dried up, you're invisible, you're unnecessary, you're not valid, we need to embrace it because we're in a position right now where we can harness and step into whatever beauty in the world that we want, whether it's becoming the best mom, daughter, spouse, partner, sister, whatever that might be. Or it might be, gosh, you know, I want to leave a legacy on the world. Like I want to leave a legacy of helping women step into their power and step into their beauty and that wild femininity and leave their mark in whatever way they want on the world. Because we're in a deep need of healing, deep, deep need of healing. And I believe women in our age are going to do it. But I think, and I know I can speak for a lot of my clients often and myself included, I played small, kept my mouth shut. I sort of, you know, dabbled here and there. I changed a little bit of people's lives within my clinic. But I didn't step out and really start really standing like up on my platform and saying, this is what I'm about. And this is what I'm going to do because I felt bad about my body. I hated my body. I felt like it had betrayed me. And I always had this thing in the back of my head that said, you know, when I get a body that looks the way I want it to, then I will. And you know what? One of the other major healing things I did when I started changing the metabolic stuff and the other things is I started really changing that I started wearing a bikini. Man, I hadn't worn a bikini since I was in my 20s. You know what? I wear a bikini. And if you don't like it, don't look. The other thing I started doing, this is going to sound really crazy and my husband's probably going to be really embarrassing for him, but I started taking somewhat provocative pictures, nothing that I wouldn't want, you know, online. Maybe I wouldn't want to share them, but they're nothing that you know I'd go to jail for or you know, inappropriate. But I started taking pictures and sending, you know, like one of them to my husband or showing it to him. And Part of the reason I did that, I took like 100 pictures and I'd look at one or two and be like, oh, okay, those are okay. It wasn't so I could send them to him. I did that, yes, because I wanted to send it to him, but it was more so what it did for me. And what it did for me was I started noticing parts of my body that I didn't hate at the time, right? You had to start with where you're at. So at first I was, hate that part of my body. I hate the size of my ass. And then it became, you know what? You know, I've got a derriere on me. That's all right. And then it became, I started embracing it and I started seeing myself again as a sexual human being, an essential human being. And so, even doing things like that, something so simple as stepping out and sort of going, okay, I'm going to embrace my sensuality and I'm going to expose myself, my vulnerability started shifting things for me. So, even that little bit of vulnerability is also vulnerability in stepping into where you want to be in your life. Whether it's being a painter or a singer, or maybe you want to run for president, I don't know what your story is, but it's there. And there's some dream and there's something that you want to harness and you haven't harnessed it yet in many cases, because there's something you think about yourself that isn't true, but it's holding you back. So the other thing that I really, really came to over this journey is that the only thing that holds me back is my self-limiting beliefs. And it's through the act of actually stepping into those self-limiting beliefs and being vulnerable that they start to change. But there's an exponential change in your body at the same time. Like, I truly believe that doing some of those really uncomfortable, vulnerable things changed my chemistry. Actually, I know it does. I know it does from neuroscience. Our brain has some of the best biochemistry and the best pharmaceuticals you can ever imagine, right? So for me, that was huge. So, the reason why I'm telling you this, and even my really embarrassing things about taking provocative photos and sending them to my husband, is not because I want you to know that I'm crazy and that I will do anything, because that's not true. I'm actually highly reserved. What I want you to do is maybe think for a moment and see what resonated with you. Are there places in your life that you really want to live a more full life that you're holding back because you want something different about you, right? There's something that you want instead of, because I think it's in that vulnerability that there's beauty through all of the trials and tribulations that I've gone through and the geeky stuff I've read and the geeky stuff I've implemented both in my clinic and my hormone reset group have helped me and lots of other women, you know, shed the weight, get their hormones back in balance, feel better. But it's actually in this other sort of life changes that the real magic happens. So thank you for listening. And listening to my story, because we all have a story, you know, some people's story are more tragic, more real, more, more frightening, more whatever, but we all have a story. And I I believe our stories need to be shared. Thank you so much for listening to This Functional Life. And I look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you so much for tuning into This Functional Life. You are why I'm here. And I am so very grateful. You're here for a reason. I celebrate your commitment to claiming your youthful energy and stepping into this next phase of life, feeling vibrant, healthy, and powerful. I am so proud of you. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at BettyMurrayPhD, and if you want a chance to share your story with our tribe or find out more about working with my team, you can sign up at chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. Again, that's chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. See you next week. Bye-bye.